0: Cassandra Catterin, I am so excited to have you as a She's the Boss guest because I love it, what it is that you're doing and we met at the SBE Awards so uh, I was very impressed at the time and dying to hear your story. You're very, very welcome.
1: Ah, thanks for having me, Jules. I'm excited to be
0: here. My pleasure. Well, let's start off with what it is that you're doing. Tell everybody about your brilliant idea.
1: Yeah, so um I run a marketing agency in regional Australia and I have been using, you know, project management or time tracking or CRM tools in my career for the better part of the last 12 years. Yep. With the push to go hybridly and um, unable to hire staff in regional areas, I've had to go fully online. So finding the right type of solution for small to medium-sized business software has been tricky. Yeah. Because you use overlapping ones. Um, So I went ahead and built my own that's designed for small businesses.
0: Wow. And tell us, what does it do and what's it called?
1: Yeah, so it's called Can Ticket because literally you can tick off the checklist inside. Oh,
0: I was going to say, why (laughs) is it called that? I love it.
1: Yeah, there's a really cool checklist feature in there. But it's um it's a combination. It's a basic CRM, it's time tracking, it's a job bag system, it's expenses tracking system, it's a reporting platform, whether it's reporting on the client or the project, or maybe you're not really sure what Sarah did last week and you wanna you wanna know. Yeah. Um you can run a report on staff as well.
0: So is it for it's exclusively for creative agencies to sort of keep a track of staff and um, no,
1: not at all. Oh. That's who. That's who I've designed it for because that's um, you know, I that's run an the bit, agency. Yes, that you get. However, um, when I first returned back from the UK, I worked in an agricultural business. And they have similar issues. So as I built the software, I've made sure that it's adaptable to other businesses who might track time and expenses, which is nearly every business yeah. in hindsight.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. So why is, is the next question? Why are you doing it?
1: Because I find that small businesses are always pushed into using software solutions that are either too expensive or are just not fit for purpose. Um, you know, small businesses run lean and mean, but because of that push to the hybrid model, you know, when we had COVID, everyone was using two or three software solutions. Right. And I run a small business. Yep. I like to run lean and mean. And when you're paying like anywhere between $80 and $95 a head per staff member per month just to allow them to work remotely. Yeah, that's I crazy. Was like, this is ridiculous. Um, so I want to disrupt the market. Yep. And give a solution back to small businesses because small businesses are the backbone of Australia. Totally. Um, and you know, give them something rather than paying out money thousands of dollars every year to software companies that don't give them anything back, go with a simpler and easier to use solution. So
0: what's your price point? Is it is it sort of incredibly affordable?
1: yeah it's extremely affordable in comparison. <laughs> <laughs> um so so it's in Australian pricing and in us pricing because we've got international clients as well. yeah, um so Australian pricing is twenty dollars a month. Oh uh, yeah, perfect. Complete, but you get the full suite, yeah, compared to you know other platforms you might pay for the basic project management side, but then you've got to pay an extra four US dollars a month for time tracking and then four dollars u s dollars a month for expenses tracking. Whereas I don't believe in that. I just think you pay for the fee, you get the product. Yeah, I think that's
0: brilliant. Yeah, that's all inclusive. I love it. Okay, so was there a bit of a light bulb moment? Was there something that you were doing in your agency or in your business that kind of was the straw that broke the camel's back and you just went, right, that's it, I've got to create (laughs) something? Did something happen?
1: Yeah, exactly. So I'd been running my agency for two years by this point. Yeah. Um, and for context, I'd been working previously. I've headed up a digital agency in the UK for five years and I'd worked in a Agency in Sydney for about five years as well. Wow! So right. use these platforms for years. Um, someone called me a veteran, and I almost fell
0: over the other day. <laughs> I
1: think
0: you've got to have more grey hair to be a veteran. <laughs> yeah,
1: I was like, I'll take it, but not really. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, I was like, I'll take it for the experience. Um, anyway, so I'd been running my agency, you know, using best practices that I'd learned locally in Australia and internationally, and then I went to my accountant. And he ran the subscription line in my um, profit and loss. And I think I fell off the chair. I paid $17,000 in software subscriptions in one year to run a team of eight.
0: Oh, stop.
1: Yeah. This was was not um, for industry-specific software. This was for time tracking, expenses tracking, project management, and stuff like that. Wow and i was like well those companies don't give me 17 grand back a year so i'm not doing that again <laughs> <laughs> um and so originally originally i think i canceled a bunch of subscriptions that week um, and then you and went then, ow
0: but i can't do my bo- b- run my business yeah. now
1: well i started it was initially just to be an internal tool it was just meant to be a time tracking basic basic like it was really ugly like right. really you know computer <laughs> looking um and and then I think it was about, after about three months, I told someone else what I was doing. They're like, hey, have you ever heard of like putting into sass? And I was like, what SAS?
0: <laughs> no, we'll tell everyone because I bet there's a – I know what it is, but I'm sure there's loads yes. of people well, listening software, that don't know. So
1: as a service, and I was like, oh, is that a thing? And they're like, yeah, that's what you've been paying for for the last 10 years. And, and just like, to oh. explain
0: to people, that is when you go onto a website and run everything off that website as opposed yes. to downloading things and putting an app or, or whatever on your phone. So, wow, exactly. right? Yeah.
1: So then I continued on it and then I went, oh, this has got more – more um capability and you know build a little bit more here, build it more here, dropped a few others and, and are you
0: actually building that or do you had did you have staff that were doing it? Like I mean I'm really intrigued. Combination. Okay. Combination. Yep. So um
1: I do all the logic and all the wireframing. Oh my goodness, and then, right. Um I can help on the front end, but I'm not an engineer. So I have an engineer who's on my team. Right. Um Oh, and that's also what happened. So COVID happened, and then in my marketing agency, quite a lot of businesses backed out of all of their projects. Yeah. And I didn't want to lose my team. So I used that $17,000 that I normally pay in software subscriptions and created an internal project so that I could retain my team and not lose any stuff.
0: What a brilliant idea. What a, That is so clever, Cassie. Oh,
1: thank you. No, like I it really
0: is because a lot of people were – Either laying off staff, or the staff were getting job keeper and sitting around at home twiddling their thumbs. But you did the double whammy of let's you <laughs> you know, let's actually give them a, a chunky project and something that's going to improve their lives and potentially be possible to sell. I love it. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I, my thought process was one: I don't want to lose him or one of the designers. Yeah. And two is like I don't plan on being around for five minutes. I plan on having my agency for at least ten years. And so, like yep. that, seventeen thousand dollars and not losing my staff seems like a good practical stepping. Yeah, moment. and it
0: is. Oh, I <laughs> like the way your brain thinks. Okay, so um, now I'm going to get you to go right the way back to school days mm-hmm. because I love hearing about people's journey and the, you know, it's often very interesting to hear what what's all in your background that's led you to where you are now. So. Okay. Can you tell me where did you grow up and what sort of fa- size family did you have?
1: Yeah, sure. So I am second generation Italian. Okay. Um, I, I grew up on a, we say a grape farm, but people always like a vineyard. Yeah, like, no, right. Sounds very grape. glamorous. I was like, you didn't work it. Oh, wow. So
0: you uh, grew up in a vineyard That's a, or, yeah, a, or in a grape farm, grape but farm. either way, amazing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I'm um, in Griffith in New South Wales, so right. six and a half hours from Sydney and five hours north of Melbourne. Right, um, quite I isolated. Kind of in the middle of nowhere, actually yeah. where I am right now, actually. Um, <laughs> so I grew up in an Italian family, so it was always, you know, find a better way, find a more practical way of doing things. What's, where's the efficiencies? Where, what, and I think that was programmed into me at a very young age. Right. Um, and, not, and no wastage. Um, so I have an older brother and a sister. Yeah. Um, my sister is seven years my senior and my brother is five. Also, so you're I'd, the baby. I am the baby and sometimes <laughs> I get still thrown that, which is awesome. Um, my mum actually says BC before cat. <laughs> um, I like your
0: mum's sense of humour.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she's great. Um, so, yeah, so I grew up on the farm. I and mum to- and
0: dad both worked on the farm?
1: Uh, so but my dad actually, until recently, owned a, quite a large machinery company, um, but he's right. worked there for almost 40 years. And um, my mum has had a career in either childcare or nursing homes um, as ah, a manager.
0: They're um, interesting role models, but talk to tell me how the grapes fit in when your father has a big machinery business.
1: He had three children. <laughs> oh, stop
0: <laughs> So, um, would he actually make wine from the grapes, or just grow them and then sell them on to
1: yeah, people we, who we, make in wine this, in this region? Um, so, it is a wine-growing region. It's, right. Fun fact: there's 42 different varieties of grapes grown out here. Wow,
0: um, that is a fun fact.
1: Fun fact: um, so we <laughs> we contract grow for one of the larger um, household names wineries in Australia.
0: Right. Um,
1: So we, you already, you know, they know who they're selling to every year. So it's just about growing it, maintaining the crops, harvesting. Easy to get the
0: kids to do that while you're busy running your machinery business.
1: Yeah, (laughs) well, I do think the character building was like frosty mornings, pruning grapes at like six o'clock in the morning. That was awesome in winter. Um,
0: Yeah, you would have loved that as a teenager, I bet.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I but I you're right, ahead. it is actually character
0: building <laughs> and it probably did have an effect on you. <laughs>
1: definitely. I think it definitely had a couple of effects. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to live on a farm. Um, right. Yeah. But no, okay, I, uh, so grew that.
0: up on the farm. Where did you go to school?
1: Uh, so I went to St. Patrick's, which is a private Catholic school here in Griffith, and yeah. then I went to the Catholic high school, which in my senior year turned into a college but with the same uniform. Oh, that's um, pretty
0: cool. And yeah. were you, did you like it? Were you good at school?
1: Uh, yeah, n- naturally quite clever and tuned in. Maybe in my senior year, I probably could have turned up a little bit more.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? You missed days of school? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, Cassie.
1: <laughs> but I do. But one thing I was always really proud is I'm naturally gifted in sports and remembering things. So I was always really good at science, and I remember doing my HSC. And I walked out after, I still had an hour to go, and my teacher's like, what are you doing? And I said, I got all the answers. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, I answered all the questions. I've got it. It's no problem. I'm only going to get four questions wrong in the whole HSC for biology. And I was like, see, I did all right.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, you are a yeah. brainiac and, yeah, good, a and good at exams.
1: Yeah, crunch. Okay, crunch. so
0: you finished HSC. Mm-hmm. What did you, I mean, I was there a... Uh, Yeah. Was there a natural thing of I'm going to go to uni or was it unusual in your family? What was the...
1: Well, I got in. um, I didn't actually go. I would have been the first one to attend uni in my family.
0: Well, you got in, which is the main thing.
1: Um, I only applied because I didn't really know what I was supposed to be doing with myself and all my friends seemed to be going to university. Okay. Um, I think I just copied, like, one of my girlfriend's applications. like. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I got in to do primary teaching at CSU. Yeah. And then I went, oh, I did vintage instead. So I took a gap year because I really had no idea what I was doing.
0: So what did you do in your gap year?
1: Um, so I went and worked at one of the wineries from January <laughs> to April. Right. In, in the cellar. So it's like physical labor, like, you know, pumping water. loading trucks and stuff and like And did you that. do that
0: from like the November to till then? Did you, did you literally come out of school and go, right, I'm going to get a job and do that straight away?
1: Uh, not quite. November I went to schoolies, of course.
0: Um, (laughs) Of course
1: No, um, no, January, you start in January It's like the first week of January Okay And it's really hot out here So it's normally about 40, between 40 and 45 in January in Griffith
0: Ouch Yeah,
1: Um, so I did that for a few months And then I still didn't really know what I was doing So I went off to Sydney because my sister was there Yeah Um, And, you know, day one got a job in an Italian restaurant in Leichhardt of course you did. <laughs> I walked in with like this brown curly hair and said, "My name's Cassandra Caroline, and I'm from Griffith." And they're like, "You're hired!" Um,
0: <laughs> Fantastic.
1: Um, well, Griffith is mainly Italian population. I uh, know, <laughs> but also
0: to to hit <laughs> Sydney, which is a big city, when you've grown up in somewhere like Griffith, I would imagine. Well done for getting yeah. a job so fast.
1: Yeah. So, um, so I did that for a bit, and then I remember my dad said to me. He said, if you're going to waste the year, go get a real job. And I said, okay. So I got a job as a receptionist in a sportswear company.
0: And that was the real job? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. We are working up to it anyway.
0: Okay. Um
1: And then after, while I was there, I applied for a job in a media agency. And it was originally just like coffee girl slash dog walker. Right. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, well, I'll put my name in. And I ended up getting the job. And I started off there and then on day two the boss came up to me and he said, I think you're a bit too smart to go and get me coffee every day. (laughs) And I said, I am. He's like, do you want to learn how to become a production manager? And I said yes. Um, So I worked my way from coordinator to production manager while I was in that job. They paid for me to – I didn't go to university. I decided not to. Um, They paid me to learn Mandarin. So I used to go to China. What?
0: Why did they pay you to learn Mandarin? Because they have a um, lot of Chinese clients.
1: No, we had. Um, we used to do importing from print, like printing and production of uh, promotional.
0: Ah, yeah. Okay. So
1: I, I, while I was there, I studied event management to appease my father. Um, who, Dad, if you're listening, I love you. Um, <laughs> and and then while I was there, um, I was dealing with China nearly every day, and I said, look, I'm young and I'm female and I think it would be a good sign of respect if I could learn some Mandarin when I'm dealing with the contacts and they said that was Ooh, a brilliant you idea clever. yeah yeah so I they they like I leave work early and I'd go to Mandarin school in Ultimo um for right. about a year and then um I continued working with them and they sent me to China um, which was a really cool experience.
0: Yeah, would have been.
1: Yeah. So that was
0: to go and oversee some production at that stage, wasn't yeah, it?
1: Yeah, we had um we had some clients who had some work being curated and built and whatnot in uh, China. So we took right. the clients over and while we were there you know it was an amazing experience and i got to use my mandarin to talk to the contacts who very much spoke english but it wasn't about
0: that <laughs> but they would have they would have loved it that you'd made the effort
1: yeah i still to, to this day it. have the um the presents they gave me so they gave me children's learning books in mandarin like nursery rhymes and stuff like that Um, And I still have them Actually on my bookshelf I can see them Where I am right now And
0: can you understand them Or could you then
1: Oh, I tell you what I used to be good on the bus When I'd sit behind the girls In Ultimo And listen to them Talk about their boyfriends I still remember One time the girl They were talking about A boy in particular Yeah And what had happened That night And I was sitting On the bus laughing And I just remember The girl going Do you think the white girl Knows what we're talking about And I started (laughs) laughing And she's like Nah she wouldn't speak Mandarin (laughs)
0: Did you say anything tap them on the shoulder and go laughing I was
1: like oh I don't want to embarrass them but I know what you said
0: (laughs) I feel like I should learn Vietnamese for when you go and get your nails done and all the all the girls always chat to each other and you have no idea (laughs) they're going that stupid woman in front of me um okay so you got to go to China how long did you stay with that company for I
1: was there for about five years right yeah
0: and Um, why did you decide to leave
1: um well I had worked my way from coordinator to project manager. The team was five when I started. I think it left. they left when there was 20. Um, oh, right. I went on to, inside the same company, I went on to become account manager, then an account director for a big coffee and water and cheese brand in Australia, and a lot yeah. of alcohol promotions, which were really cool. Um, <laughs> but I, I started to get interested in, into the digital, and that was before we started doing digital in Australia, really. So it was circa 2000, and, uh, it was born in 2018. I can't remember. Ten years ago, twelve years ago.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, yep.
1: And I just wanted to do something different. I wanted some. I wanted more. Um. So I came back to Griffith again and did another vintage. Right. Um. At the time, I met my boyfriend, who would go on to be my husband. Um, right. And went off to England. And, uh, now,
0: so what why England what was what was the attraction over there
1: uh, I have a really good friend who is an account director at a massive massive international agency at where well, she was at the time and she was always telling me about all the cool projects she was working on yeah. and I was like oh I really want to do that type of stuff um and so I just thought well I was yeah, I was only like 25 26 so I was like why not Let's God, start. I
0: did almost exactly the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Ended up working for a whole lot of different agencies in London.
1: Mm,
0: so and they're so advanced, aren't they? Compared to here, it was you just learn so much.
1: So much. I learned heaps. So I started off. I found it really hard to get a job in London. Um, yes,
0: yes, it is hard to land it.
1: I I remember like. Being the first job I got was um, doing flower deliveries. Not actually delivering. I would just walk in next to the person who was delivering the flowers. Yeah, I know. Um, what, why? Because, what,
0: what's that rule? <laughs> so the
1: florist did the flowers for Bulgari, um, Harry Winston. Um, oh, the big names. The big names like, like Carmen Klein. So my job was to walk in next to the delivery driver and talk to the person who was receiving the flowers. Um, to put on the glass tables or wherever.
0: Uh, right. That was my uh, first I'm job. just waiting for you to go and style them up or do something, no, but it no, was literally well, just to. Just to
1: like wear this really lovely to, coat. Um, great. And, yeah, great
0: customer service. And
1: smile and say hello and make sure the flowers are delivered and they looked lovely and that the person agreed that they looked lovely. And that was my first job wow. in London. I did get to see a massive yellow diamond. Like I was like,
0: whoa, that's cool. At Harry Winston mm-hmm. was it? Yeah,
1: downstairs in the vault. I was like, oh, my God. Uh, I had like a VIP guest coming that day.
0: That's amazing. I, we, I ended up working behind at an agency called Coley Porter Bell that was just behind Harrods. Mm-hmm. And every morning I would go down. I can't even remember what the road was, somewhere in Kensington. <laughs> but just go past all those big name stores you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and just kind of, and, and there was a, a lot of pinch myself kind of moments that you're actually, or you read and hear about these places, but they're actually there in front of you.
1: Totally. I was just like, I remember telling someone, they're like,
0: you did what? <laughs> <laughs> and
1: I was like, yeah, I just worked on lipstick in a beautiful it's jacket a weird and job. walked in next to the flowers being delivered.
0: Anyway, But it kind of makes sense. You can imagine that the shops would go, wow, nobody else bothers sending us anyone. You know, they just dump the flowers. Mm -hmm. So it's a real Mm -hmm. point of difference. Yeah, it
1: was. She did lots of beautiful arrangements for lots of people. And
0: and I do remember I think it took me about six or seven months to get a job and I ended Mm -hmm. up selling ads for This Is London magazine while I waited for the agency (laughs) job.
1: Yeah, waiting (laughs) for the agency job was hard.
0: It's hard. So
1: then I. But once
0: you're in, you're in. Yeah, once you know, you're in. know, so.
1: Yeah. So then I.
0: So what happened? So then
1: I got, um, I was still trying really hard to get a, you know, my job that used my real capacity. Um, yeah. So I got a job with a agency that specialised in professional membership organisations, which we don't really oh. have a lot of out here, but an example would be um, Institute of Chartered England and Wales. So they would like, you know, like accountancy firms and stuff like that. And my job was they gave me an A4 box of paper and it was all flyers and brochures that they hand out every year to their membership organizations.
0: And yeah. they're like,
1: can you condense this into half? <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, how? And they're like, digitally. So that's what I did for a ah. fair amount of time. So I converted a lot of paper comps into digital um, and like streamlined a lot of their delivery, um, automation and stuff like that. And that was a good job, but it wasn't particularly interesting. Um, and then I got a really cool job with the agency that I was with the majority of the time. I was in England called Propeller. And we. I was very lucky to be on the core account. I've always worked on the core accounts uh, for a pub company called Young's Pubs, And I managed a team. And I reported directly into the board delivering hundreds of websites. um, Wow. Hundreds of websites. So I think on my last year, I think I turned in like 85 websites in less than 12 months.
0: Oh, my God.
1: So. um, Well,
0: there's a steep learning curve. (laughs) I
1: learned a lot. Um,
0: <laughs> I bet you did.
1: Yeah. So I loved that job. It was fantastic. I even had a pub allowance. So I was allowed to, I had a, no one else in the company had one, but I had a pub allowance. <laughs> they were like, I love that. They were like, you need to go and experience the pubs. And I was like, okay.
0: <laughs> that, yeah. No, my boss did the same thing to me. That's really interesting. Whereabouts in London were you based? Uh,
1: right in Covent Garden.
0: Oh, lovely. Right in just. Yeah. Uh, Perfect. Perfect. So, what what made you move on from that job?
1: Um, I just I really loved it. I was I ended up coming back to Australia. Um, I had been in the UK for almost five and a half years. And yeah,
0: and you just get that tug to come home. Yeah, don't you? you feel
1: like your clock is saying, "Come on, time to stop partying and go do all the sensible things in life." <laughs> <laughs> um, and then. I, my mum used to always call me and I was like, I had to put her on a ban. I was like, you're not allowed to call me for a month. you make me homesick. And she's like, fine. Oh. But then I wanted to call her and then she told my father to answer the phone and he said, she doesn't want to talk to you. You'll make her homesick. So, <laughs> <laughs> so she punished me for another month and then uh, not long afterwards, um, I was ready to come home. So I came home.
0: All right and so and and I I remember exactly what it was like coming back which is that everything's strangely familiar but weird because you've been gone for quite a long time mm. and of course You've built up a network of friends over there, but probably people that you knew over here have moved. You know, I I, I had people that had got got married and divorced in the time I was gone, (laughs) and you feel like you've missed such a big chunk of their life. So what was it like for you when you came back?
1: Um, I think the first week was definitely – just like just seeing everyone. But because I, I didn't yeah. go back to Sydney, I came back to Griffith after being in London. So you're talking about millions of people. Bit of a
0: culture shock. And then coming back <laughs> to seeing
1: like, you know, you go for coffee in London, it takes you half an hour. You go for coffee in Griffith, it takes you three minutes. Um, right. So the, the pace definitely confused me. Um, I was a bit lost for a bit and how to – Integrate because I didn't really fall in with some of my friends. We didn't have any similar stories to yes, share. Yes,
0: you've moved on in quite a big way, I would have thought, from a lot of the girls who would have been left in Griffith.
1: Yeah, and so I found even to this day, like they're, they're all great and everyone's got their thing, but it's always it's always going to be different because people forget that you were gone for so long or yeah. you have no idea who they're talking about because you haven't been here for the last 20 years. Um, yeah, exactly. But it, but I so what I did was I worked for my dad's agriculture business, and then I started up a tourism business. Oh, um, what was I that?
0: Sold, and and by the way, where, where's hubby at this stage? Still still came back with you?
1: Uh, at that point, we were still married. Yep. We're not anymore. No. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was still with my husband at the time. So you had a bit. Um, of, I just
0: mean from the point of view of there was at least one other person together. who knew what your life was like before as well. <laughs>
1: Oh uh, yeah, so I think that de- it was definitely part of the switch for both of us, which ended up being mm. the catalyst for it not working. Yeah. Yeah, but um, we, I so I set up a tourism business, which I won a quite a few awards at the New South oh, Wales what business did you do? before. Um, I am um, a state finalist for outstanding young entrepreneur, and in another year I was a state finalist for excellence
0: in micro business. Amazing, but um, but what did the actual tourism business do? What was it?
1: Oh, food and wine tours around the local oh, area. Oh, I love so it. A, yeah, so like I said, there's 42 different varieties of grapes in the area. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: you do know your facts.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was a tool guide. That's, that was my mental holiday from being in media for so many years. So
0: to do that, were you marketing it to people in Sydney to say, come out here um, and we'll show you around? No, yeah, Sydney,
1: Sydney, Canberra, Walgoth. Okay. Um, I was on... Quite a few different TV shows oh, wow. and in news articles and Australian and quite a few times. Oh, well
0: done. Aren't you amazing? So you. why did you decide to get out of doing that?
1: Um, because everybody, once I separated from my husband, ah. every time I was on tour, everyone would ask me a question about it. Right. <laughs> and small towns do that. Yeah, right. And so it was a bit of a turnoff.
0: Okay, so you stopped doing that. Although that seems mm-hmm. like um, a very big decision to make, if you're winning all sorts of awards, because people were asking questions. Was there a bit more to it?
1: I just kind of fell out of love with okay. it.
0: Okay, and so did you? At that stage, did you have your eye on what you were going to do next, or did?
1: Well, I'd already started candid marketing as well. Right. So yeah, so I'd already started candid marketing, probably in the last six months.
0: And, and was uh, there a bit of a light bulb moment for starting that? What? Why had you decided to go back into that kind of a space and out in Griffith as well?
1: Well, this gets heavy. <laughs> good. So, okay. <laughs> um, I was, I'd separated from my husband for lots of reasons. Yeah. Um, and I was renting a tiny little shoebox, two, <laughs> I think it was about 20 square meter box.
0: Right, and, tiny. In Griffith. Yeah.
1: And I went, I don't want to live like this. <laughs> and I said, what can I do? What have I already got in my arsenal um, without having to reinvent myself that I can get myself out of this shitty situation? Right. Um, and so I was seeing a counsellor and I was offered a job in another agency and I told her about it and I told her a fair bit about it. And she said, if that's what you want to do, why don't I be your first client Oh. and you, you instead of – Going to work for somebody, you start up your own business because you've actually got more skills than what you think you do. And I was like, oh.
0: What a great (laughs) counsellor. Yeah. Um, But I was also thinking of, um, and I'm only, just interrupt for a second, but I, I. Describing that story to me makes me feel like you felt that at the time you were maybe at rock bottom, and I always think of um, a journalist who said to me in the pandemic when everybody was saying, "Oh my God, what am I going to do?" and she said, "You have to hit rock, you have to hit the bottom in order to be able to push up," which I've always just loved. And and just mm. you describing where you were in your little twenty square meter shoebox, it's amazing how hard times can really create innovation. I guess. I had
1: 17 cents in my bank oh, account. Oh, my goodness. I remember. I had a four-month-old baby.
0: Oh, Cassie.
1: And I was just like, stuff this. I can't do this. No,
0: and I'm not and going to sit. But you also <laughs> didn't say, I'm not going to sit around and wait for someone to bail me out. I'm going to do it myself.
1: No, I didn't even tell my parents how desperate I was. I just, I just, you know, good Italian girl. I just <laughs> grit and lied through my teeth. Wow! Um, and didn't tell anyone what was really going on. So I had I went and you know I followed the government thing and I went and worked out how to get some support to get the unit and blah blah blah. Okay, great. And then it, well, it took me a little bit, and then I decided to tell people the truth. Um, <laughs> and then um, and did that change yeah, everything? I, no, I think a bit more understanding because I wasn't very upfront with why the, the relationship had broken right, down because right. unless you were in the inner circle I didn't really think it was your business. No
0: okay and um, there is that country town thing which for those of us in the city maybe can't relate as much but that everybody knows everything I mean if you'd let it out once I guess the whole mm-hmm. town would know. Yeah exactly yeah.
1: Um, and so I just grid and bed it and just worked my cooler off. I had a I bought this secondhand desk of buy, swap, sell. Yep. <laughs> and I would look after my son during the day and then I would work on this uh, lady's marketing um, from when he went to bed until midnight at night. Oh, wow. And then through her, I got another client and then another client and then another client. Um, and so at the same time, I was trying to like maintain the tour business at the, at the same time because oh, I needed okay. two incomes.
0: Yep. And I can um, see then, that something would have had to give.
1: Yeah. Oh, and then COVID happened. And then COVID yeah, now how
0: happened. did that How did that affect you?
1: <laughs> Fuck.
0: All the clients um, disappeared.
1: Yeah, the clients disappeared, the tours dried up. That was awesome.
0: Oh, um, God. And you thought I, I'm back again almost.
1: Yeah, but it, it kind of like I had actually extended my team a little bit by then. So I'd found um, another local lady to work with um, who was looking for some part-time work. Um, and so leveraging both of our skills and probably stretching them a bit further than, you know, what you do when you're entrepreneurial. Yeah. Um, to make it work, um, we, I managed to secure a few retainer clients just to, you know, make oh, sure the lights on. yep. And then just picking up odd bits and pieces along the way.
0: And then slowly but surely it kept growing. And then you came yeah. up with the idea for ticket
1: Yeah, so Candid Marketing has been running for I think it's my for see Christmas this Christmas right um and then can ticket was born pretty much last financial year um, oh yeah, wow so, so it's a
0: little bit of a baby and and it's but it's out on the market now isn't it yeah
1: it's yeah. very much out on the market so we've got um we've got some clients we've got quite a significant client in sydney with a large agency on it, oh, um, brilliant! Oh, I
0: love it when when something like that happens and you've got it. <laughs> I had a little agency as well, and and we picked up. I think it was uh, Fisher Price, but I just remember thinking, "Wow!" Like we're working mm-hmm. with Mattel. Who, how we would have ever thought?
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah. yeah so, um, so the software is doing well. Um, we have a campaign launching in India at the moment. Oh, as wow! Well. Um, so securing on some new agencies and clients over there. Yeah. And I'm. I I fast track. when I decide to do something, I you know I'm two feet in. I can so kind of tell in the, that. <laughs> in the last twelve, in the last less than twelve months since January this year, I've been in Pioneer, which is an international incubator, which I was learning all the basics about. Incubators are for tech startups who are looking to learn how to grow quickly and you know best practices, and you yeah. audit each other's programs. I did the SBE Evolve one, which is where I met you at the gala dinner. Yes. Um, I've participated in the the Giants one um, wow. with Blackbird. Yeah. And I'm currently in the Founders Institute as well.
0: Oh, that is amazing. That is, yeah. you are so, so you know, <laughs> inspirational really, because there's not a lot of people would live in a country town and do as much as you're doing. Thank you. and. Yeah. Uh, and and I just think it's great. And you're being such a great role model, not only for the other girls in the town, but also for your, your child as well.
1: Mm, thank you. I think so. I think sometimes mummy works too hard. But this week I took all of the computers out of the
0: house
1: because <laughs> um, I've rented a new office. Right. And so I said to my son, look, my mummy's home. Nowadays I won't be on the computer.
0: Oh, and he'll love that. He'll love yeah,
1: that. Yeah, he's he's already enjoying the extra toy room space. But I do
0: remember I mean, I was I started my businesses when my first child was born, and then I had twins, and I remember being eaten up by guilt at one stage and someone saying to me, you know, my mum worked all the way through my childhood and it's just been such an inspiration. And sometimes you just need to hear that from someone else who's kind mm-hmm. of and and the other thing was I remember when my kids were little and I was and they were I felt like they were watching too much TV. And I met this woman, and she said, "I was brought up, and all I ever did was watch TV, and I never watch it now because I just get bored by it." And I was like, "Oh, good. Well, maybe that's the effect (laughs) it'll (laughs) have." Yeah.
1: Well, I I barely watch any TV to be honest. I'm lucky to watch anything. I'm like, I don't. I can't. Well, you probably don't have time.
0: I didn't have time, but my kids would be on the um, iPad and things. I guess not as much now as probably kids are these days, but. um, Anyway, that was just so, some mother guilt that we, that, um, you know, I think you get sometimes if you are an entrepreneur and you're working very hard. Um, but it's nice to hear from other mums or from kids that have grown up with entrepreneurial mums that actually it doesn't kill them and it doesn't mm-hmm. do anything adverse to them. It's just a bit of an inspiration. Okay, so because this is called she's the boss, I like to ask everyone if there are any women that have helped you in your career that you want to do a shout out for. Doesn't matter if there haven't been, but if there's any women that you think have been kind of in instrumental in helping you. I would love to hear about them.
1: Yeah. So when I was 14, I used to work at a florist for a lady called Vanessa Desenia and she was a starfish florist and she still operates and she does wedding decorations. She was my mum's friend. Okay. She taught me at a very young age that about working hard um, and how a young woman, because she was by herself, can do it. You can do it all. Um, And so we would go and just set up weddings at like, you know, eight o'clock at night or making flower arrangements or carpet covers and she trusted me completely like I had keys to the shop and I'd even open up or she'd leave me somewhere because t- oh, she wow. knew I could get it done and so I think throughout my life journey and I saw her the other day at the supermarket and I, she's still she's still a whippercru- uh, whippersnapper I still 100% at it and I think that she has been very much inspirational to me when it comes to work ethic and going she after what you like want. like it.
0: Yeah, Great.
1: And I, I remember I was only young and she said to me, an ex is an ex for a reason. reason, you never go back. <laughs> I've never forgotten that line ever.
0: <laughs> Isn't it funny how sometimes someone says something and it just resonates with you? so much. Mine was a boss many, many years ago when I, the only time I've ever really been employed and I was employed in newspapers and as a sales rep. But I remember I was like, should I stay? Should I go? I'm bored out of my brain, but it's good money. And and she said to me, nothing ever happens till you let go. And Mm. that has just profoundly affected me all the way through because it's like I kind of understand now that if you're going to leave a job, people aren't going to offer you jobs and opportunities if they think you're happy where you are. So Mm -hmm. you actually do have to let go before you start letting the opportunities in. And it's just, I guess, you know, at many times in my life I've gone back to that little saying and gone, Mm -hmm. yep, she was right. (laughs) Have there been any other women or is she the main one?
1: Oh, no, no, she's been. And and that context is also for, like, businesses. You know, when a, a client pisses you off and, like, you get rid of them, you don't take them back afterwards. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah. But so my, um, another one is um, my auntie, Maxine Bowman. She said to me when I started off my agency, she's like, don't worry about the big fish. There's plenty of little fish that put dinner on the table. Ah, oh, um, clever. And I was like, yeah. She's like, yep. there's lots of little fish. And I said, because when the tent pegs fall down, that's where the big fish fall. And I was like, "Yep, yeah, okay. And that was good advice. It's so now great I,
0: advice.
1: I make sure that I've got my big fish and my little fish in the same pond.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, no, the, the, these are really good. Any other great sayings that any women have told
1: mm-hmm. you? Let me think a little bit. Oh, my sister told me "pain is beauty" once, and she braided my hair so tight that my head bled. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's never left me.
0: No, I um, bet.
1: What else have I got? No, they're the ones that... I, they yeah, resonate.
0: no, they're, well, they're really amazing and thank you for sharing. Um, and then one of the other things I also like to talk about is avoiding burnout because, you know, the number of women that I've now interviewed who have had burnout because they just push themselves too hard. So I'm interested when you are young and you've got a young family and you're trying to grow this, how are you juggling work and life? How are you making sure that you don't burn out?
1: Well, I have burnt out twice, so I know the time. Stop it. You're not. I have. I've worked, no, but I've worked in, like, high-pressure jobs. Like, I loved both a job in Sydney and London, but they were high-pressure signing over lots of money, responsible for big teams of people, responsible for other people's jobs and whatnot. Right. Um, So, I've definitely burnt out. So, I remember, I've got two stories for you. So, the first one was um, when I was working in the city. I had this routine as I used to work in Willamaloo and get off at um, St. Museum or St. James. And I used to walk past the cathedral and walk underneath the kids' 40 sign zone. And I used to have this imaginary backpack where I'd pick up the shit or drop it off. So I'd either walk to work and I'd pick up all my work rubbish. And mentally I would think of it as like picking up a backpack and I'd go to work and deal with it. And then when I'd leave work, I'd walk straight back through that thing again. And once I got to that point, I'd like leave it there. Like it doesn't matter now. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. So I did that for years. Um, and I think that kind of routine stuck with me just like it might have been getting on the tube or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then more recently, I have been doing close to 60-hour weeks up until about a month ago.
0: Oh, that's, that's a lot.
1: That's a lot. And I, my dad told me I was going crazy, but I, uh, I I decided I got really hooked into watching Star Wars cartoons on Netflix, um, <laughs> on the Disney Channel, sorry. Right. And I smashed out seven seasons or something ridiculous in like two weeks at like, you know, between 2 a.m. and 6 o'clock in the morning because I couldn't sleep. And then that was the catalyst that got me to take my home office out of my home and take it yeah, to a different idea. building. great Um, So I think how do I balance it is that I wake up in the morning and I try to do some Pilates or something because it's not easy to go to the gym when you have a child in the house or I set it up in my garage. But I've just i learned over the years what it looks like to burn out and that you need to put love back into yourself, (laughs) Um, whether it's good food or eating regularly. I wasn't eating regularly. I was working really hard because I was like, I just gotta do more to get to this point. I've got to do more to get to this point. And then you look back and you go, Oh, I just wanna go jump on the trampoline. So find the time to jump on the trampoline with the kids and just make time because all your work's still gonna be there.
0: Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And is there a quirky fact about you that most people don't know that you'd be up for sharing? I love asking this question. I I don't know.
1: The list is pretty long. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I can go from being, I did this yesterday to my partner, Um, I can go from like looking at some code or programming or coming up with this big, weird and wonderful concept and strategy and yesterday I know it's not nice, but I literally had a, a moment where my hair changed colour. I couldn't work out how to do what? the buttons up on my dress. Right. <laughs> I just had really daft moments and people go, are you sure that you do all this stuff for work? Because that was really dumb. Like, and I'm like, I don't know, my brain's just turned off and they're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I can go from like super high functioning like a robot to like a jelly. <laughs>
0: Well, I, I I wonder what that is. That'll be yeah, a part of your brain, different parts of your brain, and maybe if you if you're really working one hard, the other side doesn't work very well or something. I don't know.
1: I took me ten minutes to do buttons up on my dress, and I put the dress on backwards three times. I was like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> just looking at me, going, "You wore this last week," and I was like, "I know I wore it last week,"
0: but I don't no, but I that just is so on. that's so good of you to share it because you sound like <laughs> such a dynamo. It's great to know that you're not. <laughs> Perfect in every area. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely but uh, not. look, I am so thrilled to share this story with you, Cassie. I can't wait to to get it out there now and let other people know. And can ticket sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much for this interview.
1: Thank you for asking me. Lovely. I think we're meant to cross paths at the awards, so that was
0: uh, really cool. I totally think so too. Now, how if anyone wants to. Look at Scan Ticket or connect with you because they've got, you know, maybe that maybe someone's got a great um, business that they want to work with you or whatever. What's the best ways to get hold of you without giving me phone numbers and email addresses?
1: Yeah, no worries. <laughs> so um, you can, uh, I'm very Googleable. Um, okay. So uh, my full name or Can Ticket is canticketapp.com. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. If you want to have a personal chat, just reach out. I'm always up for a chat.
0: Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you so, so much for this.
1: No worries. Thank you so much, Jules, and have a fantastic afternoon.
0: And you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to au.